Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. We have a uh, mission statement at Elevation. Uh, We're about creating environments that inspire intimacy with Christ. Let everything we do and say be about Christ. If we don't do that, you can call me out. Let everything be about Christ. Our relationship with others, that that is important. Uh, that we build deep, meaningful, powerful relationships and ultimately to influence the world. We get this from Scripture. There are two great commandments, love God, love others. And so we can bring God's kingdom uh, on earth as it is in heaven. Relationships is what this series is about and what I'm preaching on today. Relationships simply matter. They matter. And God said it's not good for man to be alone. And so we're going to dig into relationships today because here's the truth. If we get our relationships right, it sets all other areas of our life to flourish. Who can say amen to that? Now, the opposite is true. If we don't have our relationships right, If there is a relationship that isn't right, it can cause more grief, more heartache, more drama uh, than we could ever imagine. Can anyone say amen? Amen. Don't say amen too loudly on the second one. Uh, So we we all know this deep down that relationships matter. Um, Where we're loved, we're valued, we're accepted and we want to be heard, cared for. Um, we we, we, we want to have people around us that don't just value us for what we do, but for who we are. We, we all long for that. That's what we were created. And maybe today you look at your relationships, you're a Christian, but you're feeling something's missing. Um, maybe there are some relational areas that are just not, not healthy today. Um, my heart goes out for those in our church who have recently suffered loss. And uh, those relationships aren't the same. Those are eternal relationships, but it leaves us with a void and an emptiness and a loneliness on this earth. In fact, tomorrow um, we celebrate um, a celebration service of Tula. And um, our heart goes out for David and, and the family. And we understand as a church, we're about gathering around each other in these times. And, and helping each other through these difficult times. In fact, if I may, can I just stop and pray um, for Dave and the family. Father, I, I pray for your grace, your, your beautiful peace, your, your great presence. Um, that surpasses understanding. It, it's hard for me to understand the words uh, to say, but God, you know. And uh, we pray for Dave, a great man. We love him. We pray for the whole family. Um, and we pray tomorrow for the celebration service to be one of joy and faith as we hang on to the hope of our future eternally together um, in, in Jesus' name. Um, for some others of you, maybe relationships have changed over COVID. Jobs have changed. Uh, people have moved away. Uh, maybe people have moved out of your life uh, to, to go to another state. Uh, people have moved churches um, there is a lot of sort of relational upheaval um, that can be happening. But, but here's the good news today, and this is what I want to focus on for the rest of our time today. You may be one relationship away from changing your destiny. You may be one relationship away from your whole life 
uh, being totally revolutionized and turned around for the glory of God. I'll give you an example of one relationship that really changed history. Acts 9, we find that Paul's destiny and really the destiny of the modern day church, this thing called Christianity, hinged on one relationships. One relationship changed it all. I'll give you the scripture. Um, Acts 9, 26, when Saul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they're all afraid of him. All believing, he, uh, not believing he really was a disciple. You might be new to church. There was this guy called Paul and he murdered Christians. That was his job. He was good at it. He persecuted the early church, the way. And he was uh, killing Christians, radically saved. He has an encounter with God on the road to Damascus. He's blind. He hears the audible voice. He's going hard for God. Now he wants to show up at church and, and he wants to join your life group. And he wants to be a singer on the stage and, and play the drums with Dean. And, 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 and we're all looking at, you're a murderer. You were killing my grandparent or you murdered my cousin. They all knew each other. And suddenly he wants to step into the church and start preaching and serving and be in the front door in the car park and ministering. And everyone's like, hang on a minute, bro. You're a murderer. There's no way we're going to let you into the church uh, to, to you know, wreak havoc with the flock. Think about it. It'd be just... Uh, Imagine a murderer stepping in and saying, hey, Miles, I just want to serve in kids' ministry. And I'm like, hang on a minute, bro. I don't care what kind of encounter you've had with God. We need a due policy here. We need a due process. And so Barnabas in verse 27 took him and brought him to the apostles. See, Barnabas was the only one who believed in him. He was the only one that believed in his story of salvation. And he took him to the apostles and he told them how Saul on the journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he'd preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved around freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. So Paul, probably the most influential person in the New Testament, wrote two thirds of it. Yet it was Barnabas that opened the door through a relationship that allowed Paul to minister, to preach, to plant churches and write so much of the Bible. Imagine if that relationship never happened. Imagine if there was no Barnabas. Imagine if Barnabas hadn't stuck his neck out, put his integrity on the line and backed someone who may not have had the, the, the experience or the track record at that time to have proved himself. Uh, same may be for you. You may be one relationship away from things totally turning around in your life. One relationship away from a door opening, a connection happening, a mentoring, uh, a, a, a spiritual uh, father, mother, uh, a, a relational connection. You might be one relationship away from everything turning around. This is what I love about the church. The church is people. 
And we're a diverse bunch from all different ages and backgrounds, yet we all have the one goal to bring glory to our Lord Jesus Christ. But I love how we can all be thrown together in in this uh, mash of humanity and relationships are formed, relationships are built. And I want to push that in our church a little further in this series. I want us to go a little deeper. I want us to go a little further, a little harder. Now, where's Sydney? Sydney goes hard. You guys know how to work. You know how to drive and travel. Uh, you, you are full on. You, you are overachievers in Sydney, right? And so I want us to just go a little harder. And I'm going to teach on this today in the area of relationships with each other in this congregation. Is, is that okay? Can I, can I get an amen? I'm in. Let, let's do this. Okay. There are three types of relationships we all need. Now, these are based on King David having these relationships. So I'm going to specifically ask you today, do you have these three? And if you're lacking one or more, then I believe you can find that one or more in this room. Just take some effort. Just going to have to talk after coffee and and life groups and, and connecting. But these three relationships are essential for you to achieve your destiny, your purpose, your calling. Number one, a person who sees gold in you. We all need someone that sees gold in you. Samuel, in the context of King David, uh, was a prophet and his job was to anoint the future kings. And we see in 1 Samuel 16 verse 6 that he went to the house of Jesse because God had rejected Saul. He was the king of Israel and Samuel's on the hunt He's recruiting, just like I am for the location pastor here. And if if you keep asking me, who is it? Maybe it's you. So keep asking me, because you may be the one. We'll see who asks me, who is that lady. But we're on the hunt. We're looking. I'm going to houses of Jesse's, and I'm looking, and I'm asking God to lead us. We just want to get the right one, right? We don't want to get the wrong one. And so when they arrived, Samuel saw uh, Elib and thought, surely, surely, The Lord's anointed stands here before me. He was the eldest son of Jesse, the most handsome, outwardly had it all together. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height. I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. Can I get an amen? When you see gold in someone, you don't look at the things everyone else looks at. You, you see what's inside of them. You, you see through the discerning eyes of the Holy Spirit. You see future. You see gold. You see uh, talent. You see capacity. You see not what is, but what could be. And so Samuel, he was this uh, anointed prophet to see. We should have that anointing as followers of Christ to see gold in people, to call it out like a callum. There is a call of God on your life to one day Lead a church and I will serve and support you into that future that you have in Jesus' name. Just better be elevation. But God's bigger than elevation, hey. There may be. I don't get to choose. That's a God deal. Uh, Do not consider His appearance. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So seven sons are passed through Samuel. You know the story. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. The last one, the runt, he didn't even show up. He didn't even get an invite. Didn't even get a call. Didn't even get an interview. He's out with the sheep playing his heart. And, and, and finally, they, they, they get, he gets called in. This is the one. 
So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. Imagine his brothers. I got four boys and they would be so annoyed if the little one got the inheritance and they missed out, man. They'd beat him to pulp. And so uh, it says the presence of his brothers and from that day on the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. Here's the point. Nobody would have thought David would be the king. Nobody thought he had it in him. They didn't even bring him to the, the interview except God. That's what John just said, except God. Lights are going out for impact. So God <laughs> is the one that sees what's in you. And we should tap into that and we should be anointed and called by God to see gold in people. I've actually had people in church, I won't mention which church, might be this one, who actually got annoyed because I believe in people so much and because I see gold in people. And you know how you get the little eye roll, oh, here we go, you know, another pastor, you know, on the stage, here we go. No, no, we've got to believe in Callum. We're going to call it out of him. We're going to see the gold and back him and believe in him. I want us to be a church that sees gold in each other. We shouldn't ask how you're doing. We should ask where you're going. We shouldn't ask, what do you do for a living? We should ask, what's your destiny and your purpose? Because I see something more in you. When I was in this little Pentecostal church, there was this old lady, she must have been in her 90s, and she would say, young man, you're like a Gideon. You're, you're, you're a mighty man of valour. I had no idea what mighty man of valour meant, but it sounded good. And there was something that stirred in my heart as a 17-year-old, as she would say, mighty man of valour, every week. I don't know if she talked like that. I don't even know why I've got that accent. But she, she just, something stirred in me. I want us to be a church that sees gold in each other. Are, are we good with that? Um, one of the Samuels in my life is Stan. So every time I preach, Stan says, that's an amazing message. Like, mate, you said that last week. It's amazing. And I, oh, how good is it, Stan? Give me out of 10. You know, I'm, 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 I need, I'm insecure, so I need some building up. And so when someone, when Stan comes to me, he says, oh, that's an eight. Eight, oh, I've still got some work to do, but that's okay. And so every week, Stan is my man that sees gold in me. And I get insecure with the whole preaching, and I'm not good enough, and all that drama. And Stan calls it out of me. He is my Samuel when it comes to preaching. What about you? Who's your Samuel? Who's calling out the future? No, not the mistakes of the past, but the future that you have. And then here's my other challenge. Who are you a Samuel to? Are you looking to draw the gold out of people? Are you looking to encourage, to build up, to edify, to, to say you can, even though you don't think you, you're able? We need Samuels in our lives and we need to be Samuels to other. Are we good with that? We need people in our life. We want to be a church that sees gold in each other. We won't judge or pull down. We will encourage and lift up. Number one, we need people who sees gold in us. Number two, a person, the second relationship that's critical in your life, is a person who helps you find spiritual strength. So this is a relationship that's all about your spiritual strength. In the case of King David, it was Jonathan. So the context, back to the story, David is anointed. 
He then goes through a, a process where he's waiting and then he's beating up Goliath and suddenly he gets called in uh, and has all this success and they're writing songs about him. Saul slain his thousands, David his ten thousands and the King Saul is overwhelmed with je- jealousy and, and, and hatred. We'll pick up the story 1 Samuel 23, 15. While David was at Horush, In the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horish and what? Helped him find some finances. No, no. Okay. Uh, uh, Helped him, uh, you know, watch some Netflix. Uh, Uh, Helped him, you know, find some great food for the foodies or coffee for the coffee snobs. No, 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 what, what, what did he do? His specific role was to find what? Strength in God. Can we all say that again? Strength in God. That one relationship that David needed at this moment to achieve his destiny was someone who would help him find strength in the Lord, when everyone abandoned David, Jonathan not just stood up for him, but he stood up to strengthen him in the Lord. Everyone needs someone to help us find strength in the Lord. Why? Because no matter who you are, you'll have a bad day. No matter who you are, it'll be Monday. No matter who you are, you'll have doubts, uh, troubles, uh, tri- uh, difficult circumstances uh, come your way. We need help with our faith. Everyone needs a relationship where someone is going to stir you. You know what I mean? Uh, Here they are. They're talking about their latest revelation, you know, from Exodus. We need that. We need someone to, hey, were you at church on the Sunday? didn't see you there. We need someone who's going to help strengthen us spiritually. Someone who'll stand by you spiritually. Uh, When everyone walks out, they're going to walk in and talk about the things of God. Uh, Someone who'll not just pray for you, I'll pray with you. Sit with you. Link arms with you. Go through what you're going through together, encouraging you. We've got many relationships. We do. Think about all of our relationships. Very few are intentionally spiritually focused. We all need a Jonathan who's there to strengthen us spiritually. Who is your Jonathan? Who's that one person uh, that strengthens you. I get the great privilege of serving the pastors here at this church. And honestly, they, they do more for me than I probably do for them. Uh, their love for God, their passion, their hunger. Uh, ben is just, uh, he, he, he's a Bible on wheels, just speaks it. And, and, and like, I don't know half of what you're even talking about, Ben. He is a scholar and, and so deep in his love for the Word of God. And Anna's just so anointed and, you know, I, I feel like, oh, these guys are amazing. And, and Darla has this uh, shepherd's heart. It's her gift and the way she pastors and, and Shin, the mighty fireman who brings the fire of God and Ellie standing up, you know, for, for the youth and Sanjeev and Jocelyn stepping in this associate. They're, they're amazing. I get inspired by them. But I want to tell you a little, uh, uh, just a little um, uh, Jonathan in my life. And, and it's, it's Jonathan. And Marlene. So this couple are on fire for God 
in their 80s. They are at every church service, morning and night, but they're just not showing up. They're engaging. I try and sit next to him when I worship because Johnny gets his hand going up and he starts saying yes and, he, and, and he's just eyes are closed. He's, on, he's just passionate for God. That stirs me. That inspires me. He's at everything. If it's on the Church Centre app, he's at it. I mean, he's at the legacy dinner last night. He's at the engagement party. He's at all the services. He's on the door. He's at every prayer meeting. Uh, Bonnie and I, we talked last night and we said, when we, we want to be like that. We want to be in love with Jesus Christ and the church. He's not in love with a pastor or a person or a denomination. He's in love with Jesus and the great mission of the church. He's on the door. For Marlene and John, you inspire me. You are a Jonathan for me. Who's your Jonathan? If you don't have one, get, get around someone. Spend time with someone. And then also I want to challenge you, be a Jonathan to someone else. At Elevation, we'll be a church that sees gold in each other. And we'll be a church that builds each other up spiritually. I know our, we can chit-chat and it can be small talk and I get all that. But just let's go a bit deeper. How are you doing with your faith? How's, how's your time with God? How are you doing, doing spiritually? Let's go there. Let, let, let's encourage, let's build up. Life groups are the greatest way to encourage each other in the Lord. And, and here you get to listen and, and, and you can kind of discern what you want to listen to. You can sort of reject anything I say. In a life group, you're in a circle. They're looking at you. You know, you don't have a choice to run and hide. Uh, you don't have a choice to fall asleep uh, like, like you may do on a Sunday morning service. In a life group, it's life to encourage each other for the kingdom of God. We'll be a church that builds each other up spiritually. And finally, every person needs a relationship uh, with someone who tells the truth. Someone who tells the truth. So back to the story. David, great king, greatest king ever. And then as, as often great men and women of God do, he blows it. He, he gets distracted. He sees Bathsheba. He commits adultery. And there's this great man of God called Nathan who has a role of, of, of a prophet to direct the king. That's his anointing and his role. And he comes to David and he shares a story. He says, there's this poor man, has one sheep, one little lamb. It's all he's got. And there's this rich farmer with so many flocks of sheep, they can't even count them. So the rich farmer looks across and sees this one little lamb and says, I want that lamb. He walks in by force, takes it to his own. As Nathan shared this story, he said, David, what would you do? David was horrified. Hey, tell me that man, I'll kill him right here, right now. I'll take him out. That's ridiculous. That's wrong. I won't stand for that. That's unrighteous. That's unjust. That should not allow in my kingdom. And then Nathan says these words in 2 Samuel 12, 7. He says to the Lord, three Hebrew words, Ata-ish. Ata-ish. You, you are the man. Because David took Bathsheba another man's wife. David loved him enough to tell him the truth. Suddenly, David saw what he hadn't seen, was convicted, heartbroken, and he repented and turned to God, all because of one relationship. Nathan was able to speak truth into David's life. It changed the destiny of Israel and his life. We all need a Nathan. Now, let me just bring a correction here as your pastor. Just because we need a Nathan doesn't mean you're the Nathan. Nathans are someone that gets invited in that had given permission. Just because you see it doesn't mean you have to say it. 
I hear people say all the time, good meaning Christians. Well, I just say it as it is. No, that's rude. It's obnoxious and, and, and it's offensive. And how about we take the log out of our own eye before we take the speck out of someone else's. Our goal isn't to be right. Our goal is to be spirit led. And so we all need someone that we invite into our life to bring correction, uh, to bring challenge. And, and I ask you, do you have that relationship? Do you have someone that you've said, look, if you see anything at all, just pull me up. And if you see I'm drifting, just, just have the heart to heart. If, if you see I'm sort of, you know, heading off, just, just call me out. We all need a Nathan in our lives. We need to give the Nathan permission. For me, I, I, I have the ultimate Nathan in Bonnie. And uh, I, I don't have to ask permission. She just tells me. <laughs> and, but we're married, so I can't not, not, not hear it. But probably four times this morning, I've been corrected already. And it's true. And there's probably four of them. Don't tell her this, but there's probably was right. And I needed correction on those four. And uh, we all need an Nathan. I couldn't do what I do w- without... Uh, without an Ethan. I, I believe in accountability. I, I believe in, in great govern, go, uh, uh, governing. I, I believe in boards. I, I believe in accountability. Um, at Elevation, we, we, we have like so many, so many. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's hard, but it's good. Um, we, we have our committee of management that, that meet to, to oversee our finance. We have our central finance team. Um, we have a spiritual advisory group that we have here at our Hills location that I'm building because I want accountability. And, and, and I need people to speak into my life and the life of the church. We're under a denomination called INC. They have a national executive. They can fire any person at any time. They, they, they are uh, the boss. We have an operations board. They own all the properties. So there's lots of governance, lots of accountability. I think that's good. Uh, I think we need it. Uh, I need it. And, and the, uh, the earlier we recognize we need it, I think the less chance that, that we'll fail and do something stupid and, and pay a dear price that no one wants to pay. We need a Nathan in our lives. I'll close with this. Um, some of my relationships have, have changed um, recently. And um, I've had some great friends move away change jobs, and some good friends change churches. And um, I'd, I'd like to tell you that it doesn't affect me, but it does. I'm human and it hurts. And I have a choice. Do I get hurt and allow that hurt to isolate me, remove me from relationships, pull back, put up walls, um, n- not be open, that, that's a choice I have. Or I can choose, even though relationships can be hurtful and messy, they're part of God's plan for His kingdom. And I need to step in and build new relationships, revolve, revive old relationships so I can have a Samuel, a Jonathan and a Nathan. If I could be a Nathan to you, I know you haven't invited me in, but I just said you can only be a Nathan if you get invited in. But as a pastor, I actually have a a, a role to guide and direct the flock. So if I could be a Nathan sensitively to you, um, some of you won't be what God wants you to be without the right relationships in your life. 
Um, some of you may need to get some relationships that aren't healthy out of your life and you need to bring some relationships that are healthy into your life. And, and I know we're busy, but really it's not busyness. It's not a priority. And, and not only that, I think all of us, including me, we're often scared of the unknown. Put myself out there, get rejected. Um, we make the effort, they don't show up. But let me tell you, the, 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 there, the, there, there, there is freedom, hope, flourishing on the other side of right relationships. And maybe you're one relationship away from falling in love with Jesus again. Maybe you're one relationship away from seeing your marriage flourish to all it can be. Maybe you're one relationship away from just being the parent that God wants you to be. Um, you're one relationship away from truly learning how to care for yourself. You're one relationship away from overcoming an addiction. Um, you're one relationship away from um, being a Jonathan or a Samuel or a Nathan to someone. It all could hinge on one relationship. For a church where each other matters, uh, Bonnie and I deeply care for all of you. We, we can't have relationship with every one of you. There's too many of you. But the kingdom of God is built on people that has relationships with each other. Father, we pray today by the Spirit of God, you would build relationships in this church that are so powerful, so rich, so deep, so God-orientated, so divinely orchestrated, that they would spur us on to see and do things we never thought we could possibly do. Still praying today the ultimate relationship is with Jesus Christ. And I just wanna give everyone an opportunity every Sunday, every service to have a relationship with God through Christ. Because that's what the Gospel is. We're born separated from this relationship. We don't have a relationship with God when we're born. We know something's up. You know, we look at the stars and the ocean and we think something made all this. We just don't understand how. And God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life, die and raise again so we could be forgiven. Why? So our relationship with heaven could be reconnected with God, our Father. And maybe today you're far from God. Maybe you've never made a decision to have a relationship with God. Today's your day. Or maybe you have and you've drifted. Today's your day to come home. Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth and the life to a relationship with the Father in heaven. With eyes closed and heads bowed, just raise your hand if that's you. You want Jesus to be your Lord and your Saviour so you can have a relationship with the Father in heaven so your eternity will be changed because heaven and hell do hang in the balance. There is a place called hell. There is a place called heaven. And what we do with Jesus will determine where we end up. And if you don't know, this is your time to say yes to Him. Just boldly, wherever you are, raise, raise your hand. Say yes to Him. Let's just pray a prayer out loud together. Let's all pray. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a Saviour. I want a relationship with the Father. Would you save me and forgive me so I can follow you and know you all the days of my life? As we close our time together, I'm going to let Anna lead us and let the presence of God just, just fill us. Father, we, we ask for the Holy Spirit to descend on this place to pour out your Spirit. Holy Spirit, we're, we're desperate for you. I pray for those who are hurting and grieving. God, pour your Spirit out. I pray for those with physical ailments. I, I pray you pour your Spirit out. 
I, I pray for those who are a little bit lost in their future and in a bit of a wilderness. Would you pour your spirit out? We, we come here today to magnify you, but we also come here to receive from you. And, and that's okay to receive from you. That's what a relationship does. Holy Ghost, have your way this morning. Pour your spirit out.